Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into a haunted nightmare. <laughs> Ooh, welcome to the campfire. Throw another log on it. It's cold. <laughs> it is. I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry spirits who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips tricks or treats and discounts <laughs> it's halloween again yes and that means our annual spooky episode That's right it's a dark and windy night in arizona it really is <laughs> and in researching for this episode luckily i didn't find any evidence of haunted campgrounds in arizona yeah but we do have <laughs> 13 haunted campgrounds to share with you. We do indeed. Number one, the Holy Ghost Campground in the unincorporated town of Torero in San Miguel County in New Mexico. You see, getting there can be a little confusing. It's located about 14 miles northeast of Santa Fe. If you're headed from Pecos, take New Mexico 63 north down an eerie, narrow road for about 13, 13 miles. You'll see a sign for Holy Ghost to the left. From there, you'll take an even creepier road. Forest Service 122, down two miles to the campground. Oh, there are a few different stories on how it earned its title of the most haunted campground. Some tales say that a priest killed the Pueblo people who settled on this land in the late 17th century. Others say that the priest was killed by the Pueblo people who were defending themselves. Either way, there may be the spirit of a Catholic priest among those trees. There have been more recent tales of gruesome car accidents, brawls between bikers due to paranormal activity, and state troopers that disappear altogether. Visitors claim to see moving shadows beyond the trees. Even though this spot is claimed to be haunted and scary, Holy Ghost Campground is a breathtakingly beautiful place to camp. It's set upon Holy Ghost Creek, which offers hiking, trails, and incredible nature views. And perhaps a little ghost to share your campground. <laughs> Let's move on to California to Lake Morena in Campo. It's a man-made lake located off Highway 8 in the outskirts of San Diego County. The lake, which is usually best known for its fishing and camping areas, has gained some mention from paranormal websites, which vaguely mention tales of ghosts or a mysterious spectral white lady. The two most common paranormal claims are the apparition of a ghostly young woman in a long white dress, and she's been seen several times, or on other occasions, multiple campers have heard heavy footsteps around their tents during the night that do not fade, as if someone were walking away, but they simply lift up and disappear. The Lake Moreno area is alive in history and Native American folklore, none of which has been pleasant. In 1983, a story by Helen Schaefer in the San Diego Union, park volunteer Walter Stucker was said to have suddenly awakened and looked out the open window by his bed in his motorhome. He found himself looking right at a tall man standing outside the window. He was wearing a dark coat 
and a knitted foul weather cap, said Stucker. Now I gotta say, right off the bat, someone that's tall enough to look in my motorhome window is already gonna scare me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and these two looked at one another for a moment, and then the man turned and walked toward the lake. Stucker sat up in bed to watch through the window. There wasn't a full moon, he said, but it was light enough to see clearly. The man was walking and taking very deliberate steps, but it seemed to me his feet weren't even touching the ground. They appeared to be about six or seven inches above the surface. Supervising Ranger Tracy Walker also had two personal experiences to report concerning ghosts and the paranormal. While in a converted back office of the ranger station, originally an old concession building built in the 20s, she said, I heard footsteps out there. I was so certain of it, I laid my work aside to check it out. But before I could do that, the steps accelerated, came around to the side door, maybe 12 feet from me. They stopped right there. There's a wooden lintel that extends under the door, inside and out. It creaked and it moved up and down and the doorknob turned once. By now, I was really concerned. Was I having hallucinations? So she phoned down to the ranger's residence and asked for her wife, Jackie, to come join her. I stood by the front door watching her come. We went in, locking the door behind us, went back to the office, sat down and waited. And it happened again. We both heard the steps and saw the lintel give. Three weeks later, Walker had another experience where a ranger logbook had been set down and disappeared, only to be found later that night in the ranger bathtub. Oh, well, the guy wanted to read while he took a bath, I (laughs) I guess. (laughs) It isn't surprising that both Stucker and Walker were not the only two to experience the haunts at Lake Marina. In 1981, inside the former dam keeper's 50-year-old house, the first housing structure to be built at the lake, On two occasions, the residents had overnight company whom they put on the fold-out couch in the living room. The first guests were awoken by the sound of heavy footsteps walking around their bed. On the second occasion, a female was suddenly wakened, sat up in bed, and saw a baby's christening gown across the room. It floated to her, brushed her cheek, floated back where she'd seen it first, and disappeared. She insisted she had been completely awake. Flash forward 30 years later, and the question still remains. Is Lake Morena haunted? Garrett D. recounted on Yelp. It's haunted. Seriously, I read about it on the county website. Over near the first large patch of boulders west of the campground, a girl in white occasionally shows up to stare at folks in the middle of the night. Number three. As peaceful of a place as Fort Warden is to spend the night, it's also harboring a well-known secret. It's haunted. Bum, bum, bum. In fact, it's considered one of the most haunted places in Washington. Originally designed as a military base to protect the Puget Sound from invasion, Fort Warden in Washington is now an iconic state park in beautiful little city of Port Townsend. Fort Warden was established in 1889 as part of the Coastal Defense System. The original soldiers who were stationed there lived in tents atop of Artillery Hill with the first existing buildings built from around 1902 to 1904. By the time the construction was finished, Fort Warden was more like a small city than a base. Inside the complex you'll find restaurants, cottages, retreat housing, and dozens of campsites. 
Campers will have their choice of 30 forested campsites, 50 beach campsites, and four primitive sites. But there's more to Fort Warden than meets the eye. Why would there be hauntings here? Well, perhaps because the fort would have had a jail for the enlisted personnel who had issues with anger or alcohol and needed some time in the brig. Or it could be that after the base was shut down in 1953, it was purchased by the state and became a treatment facility for troubled youth until the 70s. Maybe it's because of the on-site military cemetery. There are also rumors of a soldier taking his life there. The stories of strange things happening at Fort Warden are nearly endless. Hikers and campers report that, on cloudy days, moans can be heard from the confines of the dark hallways in the barracks. At dusk, images of vibrating lights can be seen inside some of the buildings that don't have running electricity. The smell of burning coal, burning rubber, or hot sulfur has been noticed in the front area of the main house, just inside the front door. There has even been a photo of a spirit in purple clothing captured by a Seattle paranormal investigator. Many people who visit claim they feel like they're being watched. Maybe it's the old prison guards. <laughs> Number four, Braley Pond in the George Washington and Jefferson National Forest in West Augusta, Virginia is believed not only to be one of the most haunted places in Virginia, but in the entire United States. Reports of children laughing, spirits hovering over the creek, and a paranormal investigator going insane after camping there overnight are all over the internet. Because of these rumors, Braley Pond is a destination for professional and amateur ghost hunters. However, most investigations have turned up nothing. On May 22, 2003, 19-year-old Christopher Kennedy was murdered at Braley Pond by local gang members. Two of those gang members lured Kennedy into the site, stabbed him 13 times in the chest and back, and then dumped his body into the water, according to a court document. Kennedy's body was discovered by police, partially submerged in the pond. The Augusta County Sheriff at the time stated, there was a lot of violence at the crime scene. Years later, paranormal researcher Shay Willis wrote in her journal, I felt as though it was waiting for us. As they crossed the bridge, they were overwhelmed with the now familiar feeling of dread and fear. I sensed another presence behind the original one. This one didn't feel like the others, she said. In fact, it didn't even feel human. There was no mistaking it. It sounded like there was a person in the water flailing and kicking. It was loud enough to have been the size of a full-grown person. Number five. We move on now to Alabama, to the Nancy's Mountain Trail in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers' Haynes Island Park. On its own, it's a beautiful walk in the woods. The path is lined with Christmas fern, American beech, water oak, and yellow poplar trees. Snowy white dogwoods flower here in the spring. In the fall, the hardwoods flame brightly with orange, red, and yellow color. Really, this sounds like a place I want to visit. Yeah, but there is a story here on this mountain. Oh, yeah. It's a story that's part history and part legend. It's the story of Nancy. From all accounts, Nancy was a strikingly beautiful woman. She was known to have dressed in white gowns of the antebellum period. Nancy... Her husband and son all lived on the top of this double hump mountain on a bend in the Alabama River. 
It was sometime during the Civil War that Nancy's son decided to head off and enlist in the Confederate Army to fight for the Southern cause. It wasn't long that, as was the case in many families, both North and South, word came that her boy had died in battle, but a body was never found. In shock and disbelief, Nancy would walk, day after day, down the mountain to the river where there was a steamboat landing. She carried a pail of water with her in case her son would someday return on one of the boats. Overwhelmed by his wife's grief, as well as his own, Nancy's husband took matters into his own hands and made it his mission to locate his son, either dead or alive. No one knows how long her husband was gone, but eventually word arrived at Nancy's doorstep that her husband was found dead, frozen to death near the grave of an unknown soldier near Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. Soon after, Nancy disappeared from the mountain and was never seen again. No one knows where she went. Her house fell into ruin and was reclaimed by nature. But not long after her disappearance, locals began reporting seeing a woman walking the mountain in the dark. Her beauty was indescribable. Her dress, a white antebellum gown. In her hand, she carried a lantern as she glided silently to the riverbank where the old steamboat landing was, and the current Davis Ferry paddles back and forth. To this day, many people say they have seen this ghostly figure, and all agree it must be Nancy waiting the return of her husband and son. Rangers with the Corps of Engineers will tell you stories about people camping in the mountain, only to be found running down the hillside white as ghosts claiming to have seen her. Number six, Antietam Creek Campground. The bloodiest battle of the Civil War took place on September 17, 1862, on Antietam Creek near the small town of Sharpsburg, Maryland. Four hours of intense fighting took place on an old sunken road that separated two farms. A staggering 23,100 men were wounded, killed, or missing in action after the Union and Confederate armies collided in the nearby cornfields, farmlands, and the Antietam Creek. When the Confederate Army reached the sunken road, which provided some protection at first, General Robert E. Lee ordered that the battle be held here. Soldiers on both sides fired continuously as the Federals tried repeatedly to overtake the position. Finally, the Confederate soldiers were overrun and bodies fell on top of bodies in the bloodied sunken road. Today, it's known as Bloody Lane, and they say that if you've ever had occasion to walk it, you will indeed go back in time to be humbled by the experience. The tragic impressions of that day seem to linger. It seems that no matter how many visitors roam the old road on any given day, it remains church-like quiet. According to eyewitnesses, Bloody Lane is haunted. Gunfire and the smell of gunpowder have been reported when no one is on the road or even nearby. One visitor to the battlefield saw several men in Confederate uniforms walking Bloody Lane. He thought they were reenactors until they vanished. The most convincing of the reports is the one of some Baltimore schoolboys who walked Bloody Lane and heard singing in the fields. They said it sounded like a chant or the Christmas song decked the halls. They heard a chant similar to fa-la-la-la-la repeatedly. The area was near the observation tower where the Irish Brigade charged the Confederates with a battle cry in Gaelic which sounded like the Christmas carol. 
Visitors at night have reported seeing balls of blue light moving around and the sound of drums playing cadence as it fades into the night. Perhaps the Battle of Antietam is not over for some restless spirits. Number seven. The name may tip you off, but the Mount Doom Haunted Forest near Alabama's Rickwood Cavern State Park is not just known for its sprawling 200 acres of woodlands and views of the Appalachian Mountains. Strange occurrences seem to creep this way when those foggy plumes appear on the horizon, site host Doug wrote in his hip cap listing. I have a waiver you may need to sign when you arrive. Just saying. Number eight. Dry Creek near Folsom Lake in California is known for great hikes and beautiful surroundings. But come without little ones and book a haunted hike with host Justin. We're talking a terrifying hike through the woods. All of the things that go bump in the night as we take you on a self-guided scare tour through the haunted hill forest. This is not suited for children. We will work with you on putting together your personalized scare. <laughs> Number nine, Big Moose Lake. One of the most shocking and scandalous murders ever to take place in upstate New York happened right here in the Adirondacks at Big Moose Lake. The murder of Grace Brown in July of 1906 has influenced a number of plays and songs, even a movie and a novel as well. And she reportedly still haunts the lake today. Grace was a factory worker and dated the town catch Chester Gillette. When Grace revealed that she was pregnant, Gillette offered to take her on a romantic journey to the Adirondacks. The young couple spent the first night of their trip in Utica, then took the train to Tupper Lake the second night. On July 11th, they took a train back towards Utica, stopping at Big Moose Lake along their way to Herkimer County. Gillette and Brown rented a canoe together and spent the afternoon on the lake. While Brown reportedly left her trunk at the train station, Gillette brought everything he took with him in the boat, including his suitcase, which had a tennis racket attached to it. Around early evening, Gillette smashed Brown's head with the tennis racket, and she fell into the water. Brown had previously told Gillette in a letter that she was unable to swim. Sightings of the ghost of Grace Brown have been continually reported over the years around Big Moose Lake. Not a good place to go camping with the tennis racket. I guess not. <laughs> Ooh, man, hopefully uh, you're enjoying this as much as we always do. And now we are on... Number 10. In the late 1860s, a circus train derailed along the railroad track that skirts the southwest boundary of the present Montgomery Bell State Park in Tennessee. Several circus animals escaped, including two creatures touted as the Wolfmen of Borneo. All the animals were recovered, except the Wolfmen. A couple of years later, a local landowner and his hired hand were traveling by wagon down a country road near the Harpeth River. The travelers were stalked by a wild creature. They abandoned their wagon and ran into the forest in opposite directions. The creature pursued the hired hand, who was never seen again. But the landowner heard a blood-curdling scream and pleas for mercy from the hired hand, but his body was never found. A big game hunter then attempted to slay the beast. The hunter spent three nights in a cabin. All was quiet the first two nights. 
but on the final evening he heard howls in the distance and took aim from a cabin window at what appeared to be the creature. He fired, but the shot only provoked the animal. The beast broke through the cabin door, but the hunter had positioned himself in the rafters and began firing at it. The bullets didn't phase the creature as it swiped and clawed at the hunter, whose ammunition, by now, was down to two shots and a pistol. He was saved, however, when the sun began to rise and the creature fled into the woods. Today, campers at the Hall Springs, Tennessee area still share the story and refer to it instead as Werewolf Springs. Number 11 takes us to Vallecito in the Anza Borrego Desert in California, which is famous for its ghosts. The most well-known ghost story of Vallecito is about the Lady in White. Late in the 1850s, a young girl from the East arrived by stage at Vallecito. She was on her way to Sacramento to meet her lover, who had struck it rich. She was a frail young woman, worn by travel, improper food, and doubtful water. She was carried from the coach and put into bed in the back bedroom and given the best care available, but nothing could save her and her fight was a losing one. Her journey came to the end in the dark bedroom of the Vallecito stage station. Her baggage was examined and a brand new white dress was found. It was decorated with lace and sewn with a fine seam. It was to have been her wedding dress. They dressed her in this and buried her in the Campo Santo, a few hundred feet east of the station. They thought they had put her to rest, but on moonlit nights, she has been seen walking restlessly about the station. She harms no one, but her presence is disturbing even to the most obstinate non-believer. Ooh, we've camped at Anza Borrego. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> that one hits the closest to yeah, home Yeah, so that's far. for sure. We've definitely camped there. Although, this one's a little close to home as well. Yes, it is. Number 12 is China Camp. At first glance, China Camp, near San Francisco, California, seems like a ghost town preserved for nearly a century and a half on the sandy shoreline of San Pablo Bay. Old wooden shacks are battered by the sea breeze and covered with faded advertisements. The bay's weather adds to the mystique of the old shrimping village with daily fog and drizzle. Ugh, yeah, San Francisco. <laughs> While peaceful and quiet, the village is all but empty. Campers and day trip visitors alike report this place to be one of the most haunted. People who dare stay the night at the park report an overwhelming feeling of dread and uneasiness and even being watched by unseen eyes. The feeling is especially prevalent near the radio towers closer to Glenwood. Plenty of other ghostly encounters have come out of the park, including apparitions of demon-like entities and misty people walking near the old buildings. Campers have also reported screaming and disembodied voices echoing from the woods late at night. <laughs> One very disturbing entity at China Camp is the old man. Some say he looks Chinese. Others swear he's Native American. He walks along by himself along Gold Hill Fire Road, and it is said that anyone who sees him should not attempt to make contact, say hello, or even let him see you looking at him. What may happen remains a mystery. Because no one is brave enough to find out. 
Number 13, Hunting Island State Park. The most visited park in South Carolina is Hunting Island State Park, but it may also be the most haunted. In fact, several ghosts have been reported, several of which stem from the lighthouse there. One spirit reportedly is that of the lighthouse keeper's daughter, who allegedly jumped from the lighthouse to her death. Other accounts involving the lighthouse talk about a young boy who drowned near the light and the lightkeeper was too late to save him. Some people report seeing the lightkeeper's moving light out by the ocean as he still looks on hoping to spot the boy in the water. Yet more accounts of visitors to the light claim to hear knocking on the door. It's said the knocking is the lightkeeper himself locked out and desperately trying to get back in. Reports of haunts stretch all the way over to the park's campground, too. It's here that a woman reported a desperate knock on her camper door one night, only to find that no one was there when she opened the door. Oh, boy, man. This is one of our favorite episodes every year. This is our (laughs) third one, and typically... Our least popular ones, too. <laughs> but, but we don't we, care. We enjoy doing yeah, it so we love much Halloween. that we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's our favorite holiday. What do you think? And did you know we also have a question of the week? Right. Next week we'll get caught up. But this week I'm just going to ask a bonus question. Do you have a great campground ghost story to share? <laughs> you can answer our question of the week at our fun and friendly Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. And we'll be back next week with answers to previous questions, more questions, and all that regular stuff you're accustomed to. Yeah, we've got a great episode next week. We're talking about something from the past that's back and it's back here to, to stay. The yeah. <laughs> By the way, did you know we did a once a week newsletter and it's free? In fact, we only haunt you once a week with that and would never take a ghost of a chance of sharing your information with anyone else. You can sign up on our website. And while you're there, you can get some spooky good discounts and deals for the good things you'll need doing your stressless camping adventure. Of course, we're haunting all the social places and you can start at stresslesscamping.com. From there, Just join us wherever you enjoy wasting time on the internet. And if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free. You can subscribe at any podcast app. We're saving you a seat around our ghostly campfire. As always, please remember that a review, maybe not this week if you don't like this kind of thing. But a review always helps others find the podcast and more listeners means we can continue to get the terrific guests we've had before and the terrific guests that are coming up. So if you haven't had a moment, please put on your spooky costume and sit down and write us a review. (laughs) That would be great. And as always, we wish you spooky camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping! <laughs>